Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. I'm one of the hosts here, Charlie Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, is the lovely uh, Nate Thurston, the one who knows just just about everything there is to know. And a special guest with, a, with us today. We're really excited. It's not Brian from Lions of Liberty. It is <laughs> the Mark Claire from Lions of Liberty. Mark, how you doing today, buddy? Chuck, Nate, what's up, guys? How's it going? Glad to be here. It's pretty good, man. First, I want to say just an honor to have you on the podcast. I said an honor. Thing. Wow. An honor. Am I really worthy of an honor? You're worthy of an honor, at least to me, I would say, because yeah, I told Brian this also, but you know, we interviewed Jason and we talked to him. Jason was the first libertarian podcast I ever listened to, which Jason Stapleton program. And then I was like, man, I got to get me some more libertarianism. And so I went looking out again and I saw the Lions of Liberty podcast. And so you you were the second libertarian podcast I'd ever awesome. listened to. How's it feel to be number two, that. Mark? It feels amazing. <laughs> I, you know, I could be number two to Stapleton any day. It's okay. Yeah. He's, he's tall, dark, and handsome. It's all right. We, we all are. Before we're all we, number two to Stapleton. Before we get this thing going, I'm going to tell you guys a couple things. Please subscribe to the podcast. We're seeing those numbers going up every single day. And so we appreciate you guys doing that. There's 8% of you out there. We know the numbers. 92% subscription rate. There's 8% of you that haven't subscribed. So please hit that subscribe button and share the show with a friend. And second How do you all, know these numbers? I don't, I don't have these numbers. <laughs> so I, I, need, I need to talk to you guys a lot more. I've been doing this for six years and I don't know these numbers at all. <laughs> Apple will actually tell you uh, the total devices. And then you there's, what's the other analytics? Uh, it'll tell you drop program. off rates and different yeah, things like that. It'll tell you the average listen rates. It'll tell you how many devices and what percentage of those devices will be subscribed and what are not wow. subscribed. Uh, so yeah, it gives you all kinds of stuff. So we know 92% of the people who listen uh, are subscribed to the podcast. So. That's a good number to know. You can shame people, like a specific yeah. segment of your listenership. You can just target and shame into hitting that damn subscribe button. Yeah, it's, those other, it's those other eight percent that we're after. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, what are they so, doing every day? They come and find the podcast. I mean, just hit subscribe. Come on, yeah, right. just do it. It doesn't take that long. Hit follow. Hit subscribe. It takes whatever way it more time guys. to find the podcast every day. <laughs> so our tagline here is life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning, because we don't like. I mean, happiness, that's just a hollow approach and you're just going to end up being unhappy all the time. So just look for meaning. And this is how we find meaning. This is by doing this every single day, telling people a good word and by bringing people on like Mark. I swear, if it wouldn't have been for Charlie, I wouldn't almost call you Brian every single time, but I've almost <laughs> said Brian almost every single time so far. Because we look this. so alike, uh, especially our, our hair. I mean, <laughs> yeah, spitting it's images. You know, it's funny is I have no idea what Brian looks like, but he kept saying that you just had this long, these long, beautiful locks of hair. And he was right. If you guys don't see the video like our patrons can right now, just amazing, beautiful, long locks of hair, like a, like a gladiator kind of. I would say like a gladiator. And I'm more like Brian. I'm going bald, I think. Yeah. That's why I wear a hat. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know what's going on under that hat. But... And I can't grow I a assume beard. you have something and... to hide. I do. <laughs> he's, he's going bald. It's okay. It's okay. He's still really tall. He's six foot eight. So he's allowed to be bald. It's, that's fine. So listen, so let's get started. I mean, you know, we, I definitely want to dive into this whole pandemic and to, to some economics and all the juicy, fun Liberty stuff, but let's dive into, uh, or let's start with Mark, since you weren't on the, the first lines of Liberty interview, go ahead and introduce, well, not introduce yourself, but like, where are you from? How'd you get into this whole entire movement and 
why do you believe in liberty so much? I mean, aren't you just a selfish bastard if you believe in that? <laughs> I mean, I kind of am a selfish bastard, but that's that's entirely separate from my my belief Question in answered. liberty. Um, well, um, let's see. Where do you where do we want to start it? We could take all the way back. I, I'd say I first started like engaging in politics in a sense um, when I was a kid and would drive in the car with my dad, who was you know basically a standard typical Republican. I guess you might say. I'm not saying that in a bad way, but just just yeah, holds fairly standard Republican views of what a Republican in the 80s and 90s might hold. So I, I listened to a lot of uh, Rush Limbaugh, a lot of Hannity, a lot of stuff like that. Um, and I didn't necessarily agree with it all. I, I didn't really understand it either. I'm just kind of like learning about this stuff. Uh, but I remember even at that time, and my dad kind of recounted this to me when I interviewed him uh, a few years ago on a Father's Day episode. Uh, and he told me, I always used to just keep asking why. Like, why Like why should the government have anything to do with this? Why is this happening? Why, why, why? And if I didn't like the answer, I would continue to ask why until I got you know to the truth or as close to the truth as I thought I might get. So I think uh, just being inquisitive and, and sort of always wanting to know why something was happening and, and including in the political realm was sort of just ingrained in my spirit uh, from the beginning. But um, I was always exposed to politics too, just just through him. Um, but I, at that, I wouldn't say I had really developed my own views until uh, sometime in college, where uh, one of our great contributors, uh, the man we call the Godfather of Lions of Liberty, Howie Snowden, introduced me to a couple things. He told me about this guy Ron Paul, who uh, when he was in college, when Howie was in, in not college, when Howie was in high school, he was a congressional page for another entirely different congressman. But he used to really. He used to go and listen to this guy, Ron Paul's speeches. He would go hang out in his office sometimes. And like Ron Paul would tell him about liberty and libertarianism. And I was just like, why is my friend obsessed with this like 80, 70 year old congressman? I don't understand <laughs> this, but I guess I'll just check out his writing just because why not? Um, so I did. And, and I started reading at that time. This is like way before Ron Paul ran for president the second time anyway. I mean, he ran in 88 as a libertarian, but way before the run we all know about the Republican Party in 2007, 2008. Um, this was long before that. So I started reading his column, Texas Straight Talk. And uh, what stood out to me the most was that uh, here was a Republican uh, from Texas and he was mostly most of his columns seem to be criticizing Republicans, which you just never saw. You never saw Republicans criticizing Republicans or Democrats cr criticizing Democrats. It was them versus them. It was R versus D. Uh, but Ron seemed to spend so much time attacking his own party and calling them out on their lack of principles. And he would speak out against the war on drugs, which is to me was like, wait, this, the Republican Party is all, all for that. Why would why would they, why would he speak against it? And just just seeing someone go so against the grain of the, the typical lines of the party, just I, I gained a lot of respect for him, even as I was developing my views. I wouldn't even say I was a full-blown libertarian at that point. Uh, but Howie also introduced me to the work of Harry Brown. And he gave me the, he physically handed me a copy of the book, How to Live Free in an Unfree World. That also really opened my eyes. Um, just Harry Brown's style and his approach, he really looked at things from a real world perspective. He didn't as much complain about the government, although he was always, he would always point out the wrongs of the government, but he always tried to provide solutions and kind of teach people how to, how to be more free in their own lives outside of government. And I found that approach to the message um, very inspiring. So I, I think those two, those two influences led me down the the path and then um you know but i was i was really a philosophical libertarian at that point but it was kind of just the thing i did on my own i just kind of thought it to myself you know uh, and then at some point um i think it was sometime in 2007 i remember i was sitting at work and i saw this headline on yahoo news because i obviously wasn't doing any work and uh, i saw it said uh, texas congressman ron ball launches bid for president and i just thought to myself 
oh, that's interesting. That guy, wow, this guy is running for president. I'm like, that, that's not going to go anywhere, but it's kind of awesome. Um, interested to see what he what he does. And I, I remember just in that that first debate. I don't know if it was the first debate, but the one where he calls out Rudy Giuliani. I mean, I was standing up like clapping when he was talking about blowback and when he wouldn't and when he wouldn't back down. And I was just so inspired by the fact that he's up. This guy is up there. He's he. He's obviously well, much less refined than everyone else around him. He doesn't act like a typical politician. Uh, he's being made fun of openly by the moderators uh, who are supposed to be unbiased in this debate, and he's still not backing down. They're literally laughing at him and mocking at him, and he keeps saying the same thing over and over and over and standing for his principles. And the fact that he did that, that on a national stage and um, never got embarrassed, never even looked angry for the most part. He did everything with a smile, which I think is something else that was very inspiring about Ron Paul. Um, that really inspired me to go from the level of, okay, this is just something that I do on my own time and my own mind and something I need to be a voice for, um, you know, because his bravery really inspired me to try to do the same. And it, it started just in my personal life. I would just start talking about this stuff with people, whereas I hadn't had these conversations too much before. Uh, I started posting uh, YouTube clips of Ron Paul everywhere. And this is going to really uh, date myself here, but I, I would post videos to my MySpace, Ron Paul videos oh, yeah, to my MySpace. Nice, and say, nice. You guys got to listen to him. I, I was really that <laughs> annoying Ron Paul supporter that just couldn't shut up about him uh, posting videos every day. And I can see now why I got annoying because I'm annoyed when some of my friends that I you know, don't understand their politics, post a bunch of videos about the same stuff. So I get it. Uh, my approach has, has changed a lot since then, but that's kind of how I got down that path of becoming an advocate for liberty. And um, uh, essentially, I ended up kind of infecting some other people in my, my personal life. And Brian and John, I, I both I went to college with both of them. And um, through various uh, means, I kind of got them down down that path as well. I think John told a bit of the story uh, on your show, I believe. I get lost because we do so many interviews. I, yeah. I what I heard where, when, <laughs> when. but uh, essentially me and him were kicking at a bar one night and I, I started going off about the wars. So he presumed I was like a Hillary Clinton supporter because he was also a, a fairly standard Republican at the time. Um, he assumed I was like a Hillary Clinton or a Barack Obama supporter. And I was like, no, I like this guy, this uh, Ron Paul guy, this uh, old Republican. He's like, what? And it just, that just kind of blew his mind in the same way that Ron Paul blew my mind by criticizing his own party, um, finding out this person even existed that uh, critic that really went against the grain of what his own party was saying. That kind of opened his mind up to uh, I had some similar conversations with Brian. And uh, eventually um, we kind of started this email chain with a bunch of old college buddies and we started sending each other, you know, links to Ron Paul things, but eventually that expanded into the greater conversation about the ideas of liberty uh, and to the ideas of anarcho-capitalism. And uh, we would have these really long debates uh, and the, the, the chain grew and grew and grew. Uh, but the conversations from that chain eventually are what created the Lions of Liberty website. I think at some point, uh, one of us said, it might've been me, I don't know, said, hey, if we're doing, if we're typing all of this stuff out already, why don't we just start a website and like post some of these thoughts in a slightly more refined form uh, online? So we just started posting kind of blog style, uh, our comments on current events, uh, trying to relate everything through those ideas of liberty. And eventually during this time, I, I was listening to so much podcasts um, it was just, uh, I had a couple Huskies that need a lot of exercise. So I was out giving them one, two hour walks every day. Uh, when I was at the gym, it's a lot of times I can work and listen to, to things. So I just found myself getting so addicted to podcasts. Uh, but believe it or not, this might seem really hard to believe right now, but there were that many libertarian podcasts out there at the time, <laughs> which seems ridiculous now. Uh, but this is before even Tom Woods. Like I launched Lions Liberty a month before Tom Woods started. 
Um, there was really, I mean, there was some occasional Lou Rockwell podcasts. I think there was some Kato podcasts, but there weren't consistent libertarian podcasts. You couldn't just open your phone every day and like we are now and just be bombarded with like 10 different libertarian podcasts that just released. Uh, so at the time, that was my goal. I was like, okay, I'm going to be the libertarian podcast that you can at least show up at least once a week, get an interview with a libertarian, find out more about how they got involved in these ideas and sort of learn from them. And it just kind of evolved from there. I always, I always intended to incorporate my friends in certain ways. Uh, and I, I think the dynamic of people that have known each other for so long is, can, is something that can really help a conversation. Um, so I, I started to incorporate them as well. And of course, they eventually branched off and started their own shows under the Lions of Liberty banner. Of course, John does Felony Friday every single Friday, looking at the broken criminal justice system. And and Brian just uh, goes crazy on us every single Wednesday with Electric <laughs> Liberty Land with his uh, ridiculous and hilarious take on things. So uh, Brian's I think hilarious. we've really developed. His, yeah, this I mean, is so good to listen to. Man. Yeah, if you're if you're looking to vent or or be vented to, I guess I should say, uh, you know, you, you don't want to miss an episode of Electric Liberty Land. But and he's always on top of current events, like way more than I am. I never know about current events until I, I like either either hear Brian's show or I'm always days behind on on that stuff. But uh, he he's really amazing with that stuff. He's always on top of things. Well, do you think you know you mentioned Ron Paul and so many libertarians have that same story about how Ron Paul you know just kind of changed their entire mindset and of course. Same with you, you know, mine really started with that Ron Paul, Rudy Giuliani moment and that debate. And when I saw that, I was like, holy crap, I've got to take this seriously. Right. Who do you think, uh, you know, if you say like our generation has that just random question, cool. man, that who who is that now? Like, who is there someone out there who's going someone's going to have this story 10 years from now? I think that's kind of the hope that everyone is looking for. I mean, I think that's who people are looking for from an Libertarian Party presidential candidate. I think that that's something Libertarians are thriving for because we've kind of lost a lot of the mojo. People always say we kind of lost the Ron Paul moment. I don't know, though, because I, I meet so, liber so many Libertarians now that are doing podcasts like you guys or producing awesome work in some other way, and they're all Ron Paul babies, so to speak. So while that moment might have died, I think the seeds from that moment have, have sprouted in amazing ways. I mean, Lions of Liberty is a direct product of that so many other libertarian podcasts are i would actually say all libertarian podcasts are because just the popularity of the ideas uh the, the market for it even being there at all is, is pretty much entirely due to ron paul and his run there so I, it really can't be understated and i don't know if you can find that that magic sauce in quite that same way um but maybe that's a good thing you know maybe we shouldn't be looking for just one heroic leader to to bring us into the promised land because because i mean that's it's it's philosophically sort of what we're against obviously we're all for voluntary True. transactions but in a in a broader philosophical sense maybe we should just be against looking to centra centralized leadership even in you know, a philosophy, even within the philosophy, we all just need to be find ways to communicate this stuff uh, in whatever ways excite us, because whatever ways excite us uh, will excite other people. Like, I really love podcasting. I really love having these conversations. So I hope that comes across and I hope that infects other people to not just listen to our show, but to pursue their own passion and to pursue you know their own voice. And I think the more and more voices we get, you know, the, the better off we're going to be because everyone everyone comes at things from different ways and everyone learns and accepts ideas in different ways. So there, there's no there's no there's no such thing as too many libertarian podcasts. There's no much thing <clears throat> such thing as too many libertarian voices. I think the more the better. I mean, until until everyone's a libertarian, there's no such thing as too many libertarian voices. But I'm not sure True. if we're going to find that that magical. Uh, uh, I hope we do. I mean, I hope there's someone charismatic that can capture the public's attention, whether it's in a presidential race or any other venue at all. I, I mean, there's definitely charismatic people out there, but 
there's so many things that have to come together at the same time to, to really get that magic sauce. And we were also at this time in the internet where so much of it still stemmed, seemed new. I mean, it was really before social media took off in the way it, it was. So, I mean, seeing things like the money bombs and 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 that sort of thing were just, were just amazing. I, I'm not sure if we're going to see something just like that again, but again, I think that that might be, that might be not, that might not be bad news. That might be a good thing because we just need a broad, broad amount of voices and a broad variety of voices out there more so than we do uh, a political leader. I think you bring up a really valid point there. Like I think Ron Paul kind of had this massive spark that inspired a lot of people. And now we've kind of built this really solid foundation where there's a lot of voices out there. But before I continue on that though, you said something earlier about the godfather of lines of Liberty. Um, yes. What was his first name? Did you say Howard Snowden? Howie Snowden. Yes. Howie Snowden. Any relation? Yeah, I just got to know any relation <laughs> any to relation. the great, the great liberator of the, of the United States, probably Edward Snowden. None whatsoever. Dang Cause it. he's actually, uh, his name is D O N not D E N. Uh, he'll, okay. But, but people do often mistake them and, and uh, wonder the same thing. Well, that guy yeah. is, that guy sucks. <laughs> I don't like him. Yeah. Yeah, so, so on this, I would not probably be sitting here today in this, I probably be alive, but I probably wouldn't be sitting here on this podcast. <laughs> I, hope, I hope I'd be alive uh, without him, uh, but uh, without, without him setting me down that path. I mean, I don't know, maybe I had it. I feel like it was always ingrained in me in a sense. I feel like it was one of those things where once I found it, I was like, Oh, this is what I already believe. This is what I already think. Yeah. Um, but no, I but, think, um, I, you know, well, What's Nate cool is like, that's kind of the answer. Like you were saying that he helped kind of change your mind on that. And what's cool is like, we all need to be that person for all of our friends. And then right. they all need to be that person for all of their friends. And, you know, that's instead of maybe looking to one leader, because what if that leader uh, does something terrible sometime and destroys the whole right. movement? You, know, you never yeah. know. And, and I'm not happen. even a Ron Paul accolade. So. There's a lot of things I disagree with Ron Paul on just, yeah. you know, interpretation wise i think there's so many ways i agree with everybody on the philosophy and then people interpret it in different ways and that's okay i always want to have those conversations to me it's less about i agree with everything ron paul has ever said to to just that actual inspiration that that bravery of standing up for what you believe in and of 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 looking at things through principles because he's one of the only politicians that, that even spoke in that way of here's my principles and here's how I interpret everything through them. Most politicians don't even have principles or even pretend to. They just have a list of things that they support for whatever reason because they're it's, in this party. It's rare that you see a true idealist out there in any, right. kind, of, any kind of position of power. So listen, you're in California. Tell us, uh, right, uh, I, that's right. I think you're in LA. Is that, is that true? It okay, true. so- How's it going out there, man? I mean, you know what I'm talking. You know what I'm talking about. I know How's it looking? About. How's everyone looking out there? Is uh, are you? I don't know. I'm not allowed to stuck? see anybody anymore. Okay. Apparently, okay. So, um, <laughs> We've been dealing with it here in Nashville, and uh, you know they they haven't been quite as strict as what I think you've seen in some of the cities out there. But they they did have the what is it safer at home order. Uh, but you know they're not going to fine anyone or pull anyone over or anything. It's just a, a strong suggestion. That's I did kind hear, of though, what I did hear that our governor is uh, might be ordering a, a, a 10 to 15 day lockdown. So great. Great. So there we go. How, how is lockdown different though? What are you under right now? Are you are you under any business restrictions in terms of that sort of yeah, thing? Yeah. Essential, you know, non-essential stuff is supposed to be closed. But from what I've seen, I mean, it seems like everyone is essential so far. They've got some shorter business hours, but uh, I know I have a friend who has a hair salon and she said that they had to close. Uh, there are some businesses that they've chosen and said they're non-essential and that they need to close. Um, there are some, they suggested that the bars and restaurants downtown that, uh, that they closed. And I know, I think most of them have, uh, but 
it hasn't been like a real tight lockdown. It's more been like really, really strong suggestions <laughs> thus far. And people, you know, they hope everyone's going to listen to them. But it sounds like Charlie, Charlie here, they might be doing a, a straight up lockdown. So yeah, that's I don't always know that the means. first step. The first yeah, step I mean, is first, we're going to suggest it. Then we're going to ask really nicely. Then we're going to strongly suggest it. And then we're going to ma mandate it. Then you have start to. pulling like, I mean, Rhode Island, they said that, you know, the, the, the governor said that they're going to go door to door with the National Guard and make sure that there's no one that's from New York who has traveled from New York that is in Rhode Island. And if they that's find insane. them, they're going to force them to quarantine. Like, it's like, how do you do that? What's the process on that? What is the process on knocking on someone's door and making sure that no one from New York is there? Like, how, how does that actually play out? I don't see how yeah, that I've actually seen those out. headlines, too. I, I'm curious. <laughs> I mean, I, I've, it, it seems like a legitimate headline. It seems like he really did say something to that effect. But I'm curious about the actual, can they actually do this? I mean, can they actually enforce this? And are people going to actually what, open their doors and have the National Guard come search their house to see if there's anyone with a New York yeah. accent? From, from yeah, how do you do that? Get out hey, of hey, here. Hey, hey, it's not me. Yeah, <laughs> I, lived, I grew up here. Come on. I want <laughs> It's a terrible New Yorker impression. What but. am I missing? Yeah. Now, what we're doing here, it's, we're doing voluntary. Like if... I'm going to make a quick Patreon plug for us real quick. Uh, if you weren't watching us live, I had to start this show with my mask on because it's possible that my household had this deadly, deadly disease that's killed over 2,000 people now in the United States, maybe 3,000. And so, um, which I think more people have still died from uh, car wrecks yesterday. But <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I, I had to wear my mask just to make sure, just in yeah, case this yesterday. thing had mutated over the uh the interwebs here I, I wore that so if you guys want to see things like that you can go to patreon.com slash good morning liberty and for as little as five bucks a month you can do that so uh what are, are they i appreciate the plugging i'm a constant plugger <laughs> yeah so. just, i will never be upset you should plug six more times during every every other every other word that's what i'm gonna do <laughs> if you want to hear us plug more times you can go to our patreon which is patreon.com slash good morning liberty <laughs> Where we will be plugging several more times throughout throughout the day on that way website. I see it, you, you get, so, if you can't plug yourself, I mean, no one else is going to plug you. Why? Yeah, if you can't, if you're not going to do it, who else is going to? Exactly. Um, so, Charlie's girlfriend is a healthcare worker. She's a nurse, and she's had a fever for like eight days now, and it's she actually, still can't get it. It's actually thirteen days. Thirteen days. Yeah, she's had a fever. They tested negative for the flu. Uh, Charlie got a fever. <coughs> I got a fever. My wife got a fever. Um, all of us did, and all we know oh, is stay that away they, from this. The stay away from this crew, everybody. I know yeah. that all we know is that they tested negative for flu A and B, and that's all we know so far. And we do know that she has had contact with it. So even as a healthcare worker, she can't get a test. No, we can't get tests here. It's so crazy. It, it, yeah. it doesn't make any sense unless you're like severely short of breath, and and luckily we weren't. Um, so I, it just doesn't make any sense. Are you guys on full scale lockdown there in uh, in communist California? We are on, it's called safer at home. Oh, okay. and, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's weird until it didn't feel too, too terrible. To, well, it feels terrible. Cause I'm not, I'm not working anymore. I'm not laid off. I'm really lucky. Cause I can't do my job from home. I work in, in TV production. Everything I do is in studio. Um, but I am, I'm lucky enough to be full-time somewhere. And I'm lucky enough that they're paying me to not work right now. Cause it's illegal for me to go to work because that is not a, an essential business. Um, so all TV productions out here are completely stopped. And, uh, that's between TV production stuff, film production stuff and bars and restaurants, which all of which are mandated to shut down bars and restaurants can be, or restaurants can be open for pickup and takeout. 
Uh, but that's it. Uh, that's like everybody in LA because <laughs> everybody yeah. here works in the film industry or is working in a bar or restaurant on the side to try to make it in the <laughs> film industry. I mean, that is such a large percentage of the population. Uh, so just the economic part of it is insane. Um, and especially if this goes on, the mayor of LA just said, expect this for multiple, for, for at least two months. He said, even though the current, the current California governor's order um, is through April 19th, I don't feel like it's going to end then personally. I hope it does. I don't think it is. Um, even then, though, like when this first started, even when they shut down the businesses, you know, eh, we live in a really nice place. Doesn't seem so bad. I'm lucky enough to be getting paid still uh, to not even work. Um, I should I should probably stop saying that before two more people that uh, that that uh, <laughs> be like the Kennedy. Say, why why are we paying him not to work? Actually. Um, <laughs> But people were still going outside, it seemed like, to to nature. People were going to the beach. People were going on trails. And then just recently, they have shut down the... They started by shutting down the beach parking lots. And now they've shut down the beach. Because <laughs> I went to the Jeez. beach the other day just to sit there and like try to relax. And whereas two days before, there was people on the beach. Not in large gatherings. Like Everybody seemed... From what I saw, everybody was doing social distancing. There were some people with their kids. But I, I saw no large groups at all. People seem to be doing this on their own. Um, just because they don't want to spread whatever the virus and they are concerned about it. So I think if you let people be free, they they will actually generally act responsibly. People don't want to get sick and get their elderly or their at-risk people sick. Um, but if, since that time, when I went two days later, I was I, I thought it was a little odd that I was the only ones at the beach. Uh, and then a lifeguard came up and told us that uh, the beach is closed and asked us nicely to leave. And uh, I did so because I'm not going to go just argue. I'm not making a stand on, on that in that moment in time. I'm not going to argue with this nice young lifeguard just trying to, to make make it through his day and have him come get the cops and, and arrest me for it. But um, I don't think those are smart stands to take. I think there are a lot of smart stands to take. I don't think going to jail so you can go to the beach right now is, is that, that necessarily the one. But um, you I didn't like the it. economics. I was going to ask about, you know, since you mentioned the economics, we've had a bit of a different uh, a kind of a different viewpoint on this whole bailout thing so far. We actually had a nice little Twitter spat with Nick Sarwark a couple of days oh, ago over uh, over the idea of the bailout. And I wanted to know, um, let me just tell you where we are and you tell me, tell me if I'm where where I'm getting it wrong or or if you agree. But our our stance is we don't want the bailout. We don't like the bailout. The the money doesn't exist and it's almost, yeah. you know, it's like, I feel I'm sorry that there's bad things going on. But the, the simple fact is your government failed you. They spent all your money plus a whole lot more. And so they don't have the money to give to anyone first off. So I don't like the bailout. We don't either. Neither one of us do. But what I won't disagree with the bailout is on the terms that it would have been better for the entire two trillion to be divided amongst all of the people only and for no help to any bit. I won't argue that that would be better. I don't like the bailout at all, but I don't like it on the stance that some of it went to businesses or a lot of it did. I don't like it because we don't have the, the money. I don't like it because of the debt, but I can't also say that if we're going to do it, it's best that we just do straight up consumption based economics out of it. Helicopter money to everyone. I, have you heard anyone else that felt like that yet? Or is everyone pretty much, we should have taken all 2 trillion and divided it by 330, 350 million people. And that would have been the proper way to do the bailout. Well, I don't think there's any proper way to do a bailout because I don't think it should occur at all. Uh, That's my view. I don't think the government should be doing anything of the sort, but there is an argument to be made that to the extent that governments are forcing businesses to close, 
they are also perhaps responsible for the the outcome of that and should cover it in some way. Uh, the problem is, at the end of the day, as we all know, there's no such thing as the government's money. <laughs> anything the government yeah. does, anything the government takes, anything it creates, it's taken from us in some way or another. Whether it's through direct taxation, whether it's through uh, future debt, or whether it's through uh, just inf- creating more money and and stealing the money from stealing it off from the value of our currency. Uh, so there's no moral way to to do anything like this. The only moral way is to help people are through voluntary transactions, are through forming organizations to help small businesses and and encouraging uh, you know donations and that sort of thing. And at the same time encouraging discouraging the government from from what i see as truly draconian policies um of of shutting down the economy and i'm all for ways to try to protect people ways to try to protect people that are more at risk ways to try to slow the spread i suppose i'm not even convinced it's better to slow the spread of something that's that's going to get to us all eventually i do understand the arguments in terms of healthcare and overwhelming hospitals and this sort of thing but i'm i'm not convinced that any government actions that are, are going to be good here well intentioned or not um, and I, like I said, I think before there was this lockdown in California on March 19th, most of the people where I work, I would say 90% were already working from home because the company voluntarily made that decision. There are just certain production operations that can only occur there on site. And uh, so we were already operating at a very skeleton crew. And I'm going into a different, totally different answer than the question you asked at this point. Uh, right. But, but I, my overall point is uh, voluntary actions are always what's going to make things better or best and government forceful actions are always going to i'm not saying they might not have some good results you can see here and there someone gets help here someone gets help there but overall they're, they're always going to they're always poisoned they're always tainted with this bag that we're that the government essentially doesn't exist in any material way it exists only through the theft and uh, from our our overall wealth again whether it's through taxation debt inflation it's all the same thing at the end of the day it's taking from everyone and giving to everyone uh, i think you asked an entirely different question about about, about the no it's of the, just the bailout it, itself but we I, just I, saw, my, uh, my answers to questions are insert rant here no it's fine it's just that uh, you want to plug your I, patreon I, real quick Mark, <laughs> you darn right i do yeah for give me that patreon you, for more content than you can handle head over to patreon.com slash lions of liberty we're doing a ton of live streams especially now that a lot of us are well uh, all of us are home <laughs> during this uh, coronavirus stuff we're doing a lot more content and uh, everything gets shot to patreon first so uh check it out roar there you go. hey there you and we go. are patrons on uh, pra- patrons on yes, there indeed we bought in at the perfect time to really get in on that you know really good stuff but yeah i just i i said on our podcast like two years ago i said i feel i feel discouraged because the only thing i can see republicans democrats and libertarians coming together to agree on is hatred for corporations that's really about the only thing i can ever see them truly agreeing on all three of them at the same time and i felt like i saw a lot of bias on this um, I saw people making the statement that uh, literally we saw statements like, well, businesses, they exist in a market. And if they want to exist in the market, then they need to prepare for things like this that happen. But the people need to be taken care of because they're victims of the government shutting down the economy and they can't go to work. And I'm like, how is it that people are victims of the government shutting down the economy, but the businesses just made bad market decisions? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I oh yeah, there, there's a fair argument to be made that the businesses are are the victims here just as much as as individual people. It's all the same thing to me. Yeah, and and like us, we always have to clarify. I'm not arguing that there should be a bailout, but right. I can't argue that if there's a bailout that giving any money to corporations is just corporate welfare and we need to take it all and give it all to the people and that that would be better that the people have money to spend at places that aren't even open right now, that that that, that would right. somehow be 
that that would somehow be better. Yeah. So yeah. it was well, just, uh, and it's it, the same. It felt really annoyed when really this whole thing the, started happening. But it's the same argument we've made before that it, it kind of goes in the same lines. You know, you see a lot of things that people say, "Oh, this is corporate welfare." If this corporation gets a tax break and the other corporations don't, and they think the, the, the solution to make that equal is everybody should pay more, and like the Amazon should pay more in taxes, just like Sue and Pop's, you know, uh, mom and pop shop. And it's like, well, wait, shouldn't we get mom and pop shop down to the level of tax incentives that Amazon has? Like why, if, if there's a hundred people in jail and 10 people go free, equalization doesn't mean we have to get those 10 people back to put them in jail. So everybody's equally in jail. Like we should be working on getting the other 90 out. Right. Right. Yeah. And when you see, yeah, when you see people out, I mean, that's, it's just, that's how we feel on the whole, the whole corporate welfare thing. And it's just, and I don't know. I don't like the idea of calling this this evil corporate welfare, but not calling the money going to the people just the exact same welfare. It's the same thing, in my opinion. And uh, if anything, people need to come back to jobs. We argue all the time, all year. We talk about how production drives an economy. Production drives an economy. Keynesianism is, is terrible. We don't like consumption-based economies. And then you literally get people... Like that, and this is me saying this. This is not Mark Clairline's liberty saying this, but you get people like the 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 chair of the LP saying, "Well, this money would have been this much divided between all the people," and instead we send a lot to corporations too. And I'm just like, "What are you making the argument to people that that's? It sounds like you're saying we should have taken all the money and given it for consumption." Oh yeah, that like when when he puts it that way. I didn't see the specific tweet and mention, but uh, I can I can envision it. Let's just put it that way, knowing yeah. the way uh, Nick often tweets, and I can envision not liking it. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's just and and he literally responded with because we responded the way we are, and he said, "Well, what can he literally responded with? What can be consumed that hasn't first been produced?" I was like, dude, wait, you just answered, you just made my point. Yeah. <laughs> like, hasn't first been produced, first been produced. They say those three words over and over again. You can't consume something that has not first been produced. That is production-based economics. And in production-based economics, you do not just take all of the money and give it to people for consumption. Right. There's no right. no argument for that. So I don't know, man. The, do you think this is... I've got the opinion this is going to get a lot going to get a lot worse. I think two trillion is just a drop in the bucket. I've, what's I've always happen. been an op, I've tried to be an optimist, but on this particular issue in this moment in time, I really have a hard time being an optimist because yeah. now it just seems like okay, we can just do a two trillion dollar bill bailout. They're already saying it's not enough, and they're already saying we're working on the fourth bill or whatever. Because before they, were, they even passed it, before, before they even passed it, they were like, yeah, we're there's going to be more. We just, yeah. just, I mean, just at, at this, this rate, that's going to be 30 trillion next year. I mean, at yeah. this rate, if they keep doing this, at some point, we are going to see these effects of it. I mean, where else? We already see the effects of inflation, but we're really going to see them, especially with Trump, Trump talking about uh, banning price, quote unquote price gouging. I mean, when you, when you, when you have infinite dollars chasing increasingly limited goods, um, what happens, guys? I think we have an idea of what happens. Uh, usually, it's that these effects are, are more associated with like Cuba or the Soviet Union. We're going to start seeing this stuff here. We're going to start seeing lines of people waiting for the government to give them food because they can't get it at the store. Either it's not available or they can't afford it because the prices have gone so high. Because one of those things has to happen at this point with this much money chasing chasing these products. Uh, either the prices are going to go up and up, or they're going to institute 
price gouging laws or something like that. And then you're going to see shortages. You can't have both. We do because the reality exists and we have to it's, deal with it. It's crazy. We can look at so many people can look at Venezuela and we can say, well, what's wrong with Venezuela? And you can say, well, the government, they control prices and they control all these things. The free market can't exist. And so they're not able to get the products on the shelves for everyone. And even Republic, you know, conservative Republicans can look at Venezuela and say that. And then when, you know, this is the time that you have to hold true to that principle. Like if any time it's right now that you've got to hold true to free market pricing and supply and demand is really convenient sometimes. And it's inconvenient sometimes if it's something that you need and a lot of other people need, you know, if uh, you want to buy a flight or a cruise right now, you love supply and demand. It's your favorite thing in the world. Absolutely love it. You want to fill your tank up with gas right now? Boom, supply and demand. I, I do. I'm thinking about leaving the country in a couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. why, why not? I can I go live cheaper w- somewhere else. I saw my wife yesterday. I was like, screw this. Let's go have breakfast in Miami tomorrow. Who cares? It's going to cost <laughs> us a hundred bucks. Yeah. Like, uh, let's just go do it. Like, that's still supply and demand. There's a low demand for something. And so the price goes down. The problem is that happens in the other direction. And if you put price caps, we know exactly what happens when you put price caps on things to Venezuela, to Russia, to all these other countries, price gouging was any profits. Like that's price gouging right there. So they have price gouging laws too. And it's, it's so hard to communicate this stuff to people uh, in everyday life because I mean, I just I just heard over people at work and this is before I was banned from work a couple of weeks ago talking about, <laughs> oh, it's outrageous. I saw that 99 cent store was fined. I guess the 99 cent store out here was fined for raising the price of toilet paper or something like that. And they were they were thrilled to hear that. And I, I, I didn't even bother because I, I, I don't I didn't have the time at the moment for the sole discussion. Yeah. But it's such a hard thing to communicate to people that it's good, not necessarily good, but it has to happen when there's more demand for something and not enough of it. The price has to rise. And we want it to because that's how we're going to get more of it. And then it's how the price is going to go back down. Eventually, you just got to hold your breath and wait for let, let, wait for things to shake out. Uh, but that's People, you know, if you try to communicate that, I mean, you can't get two sentences out before you're just heartless or defending the evil corporations or what have you. Uh, the laws of supply and demand apply to everybody, whether we're an evil corporation or, or me and you here. It's nothing that this is just it's, it's essentially the laws of physics. And I think we know less about the laws of physics because they're always learning more about that. The laws of supply and demand have been around and unchanging for, for as long as we've had mankind interacting economically. So I, we could probably rely even more on the laws of supply and demand that we can of, of laws of physics. But that's a, yeah, well, hold on. Abso- yeah, absolutely. No, let's do the rest of the podcast talking about physics. I like that. Let's go. Yeah. All right, let's go. Right, no. Let's see how deep um, we can get this thing. <laughs> quantum fields, anybody? <laughs> let's talk about CERN. I was, I was talking about many, many worlds theory. I don't know where you guys are at on that. By the way, Mark, have you been watching this new show called Debs? on fx have you watched that yet i Debs? have not what is that dude if you like if you like quant if you like physics you like i do like that okay so it's got uh crap i'm gonna going um, back to the quantum leap days actually yeah so uh, it's all got this stuff nick offerman is the star that ron swanson from person rec serious role very serious show called devs it's developers and they are using these quantum computers to uh, predict and actually view the future and the past and view different versions of reality. Very serious show. It sounds like it was written by Neil deGrasse Tyson or Brian Cox or something like that, but it's freaking genius show. So if you got Hulu or, you know, whatever, I think it's FX on Hulu is, is what the show is actually on. I mean, 
it's it's the best show I've seen come out in in a long time. Very smart show. So there, there's our sounds physics awesome. physics talk. If, if are they a sponsor of your show? That. It sounds like they might be by the. By they are. Yeah, I just plug. got a big kickback for that. Really big. <laughs> yeah, I can't spend it anywhere though. It's too sounds bad. up my alley. I'll have to check just, it out. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. Um, so talking about supply and demand, like how do you? I mean. How do you explain to people in a way that just doesn't make you look like a, a total dick? When you're I don't know, man, because the sad thing is if, if our school system, quote unquote, system was worth half a shit, they would have known this by the time they're five and it would never even be a question. But for some reason, uh, that, that's not the case. I mean, it's, it's so basic that it almost seems impossible to explain if they can't already understand it <laughs> because yeah. it's, it, it's so logically apparent. I don't feel like I'd have to even learn that to understand it. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a, just a, the logical process if you just look at step one to step. But that's the thing. We're not even taught logic in school. This is not something that's taught in school. It was actually yeah. purposely pushed out of the school system because uh, logic is not what you want worker bees and, and you know uh, corporate soldiers to know. You want them to be able to follow orders and do exactly as they're told no and thinking. fall in line. And that's what our school system is meant to do. I'm also going on another rant now. That's kind of that's how I answer questions. That's <laughs> OK. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, maybe you have to like what I always think is if you're dealing with people, just say they're thinking emotionally on something or they're, you know, they care about people being able to have access to things right so, so i do think, i that's why i, I know we the laws of supply and demand. <laughs> exactly so maybe we got to do a better job like exp explaining to people how this is better like if you're mm -hmm. allowed to charge higher prices for a minute well one people will buy less of the products so you'll start cutting out a bunch of the hoarders at, at that time because they'll naturally buy less and and you maybe you'll incentivize some more producers to come into the market or some of the production facilities to find ways to even do a better job or or new people to come into that market and, and you can actually uh, incentivize the supply and it will equal back out with the demand and the prices can go back. I mean, there's got to be a way to- But you've already lost them. People. You've already lost them, Nate, at this point. They, they've already called you heartless and moved on to uh, the next Bernie Sanders meme, so. I know. <laughs> exactly. I was, even, exactly. I was even talking about this on the show on Friday because, you know, I think this pandemic is teaching us anything right now is that the only- way to allow markets to work is for them to be free because if you try to centrally like let like i i, I don't know maybe the reason people, you don't have a test is because of the lack of a free market right the yeah, reason exactly. you guys couldn't like, all get tested imagine you probably have all just, done home tests if they fda would just allow it right if you just jeff bezos people, would have already sent all of us tests and yeah exactly it would be part of our amazon that. prime subscription yeah. right already if you just ask people Bundled. like how do you how do you centrally plan for a pandemic you know, even if you even if you can see one coming, how do you even, you know, how do you even plan for the worst worst case scenario? Because eventually your stockpile and the argument I was making is like these things like they degrade. They have an expiration date like a ventilator in a closet isn't going to be good for 50 years. You know, you can't just dust the thing off and be like, good thing we stored up, uh, you know, 300 million of those guys. Now we got them. You probably don't, you probably don't want to use a dusty ventilator. Right. In general. <laughs> right. <laughs> And so the only way to really respond to the ever changing supply and demand is to allow the the market to be free. That's the only logical way it makes sense. And I don't know why is it so hard to get people to understand that it's this it, we're so filled with everyone's just greedy. It's like, oh, well, you know, the gas station, they're raising their prices in the middle of the hurricane because they hate people like somehow right. that's easier to believe. Like, oh, yeah, everybody just they just hate people and they're, they're so just greedy. cackling away in the back. Meanwhile, <laughs> that gas station is trying to survive and stay open. Yeah, like, <laughs> Let alone the guy that runs a gas station has taken a massive risk. And maybe you could say he deser deserves to be paid way more money for sitting there in that gas station and selling right. you gas. Yeah. 
You know, especially when you got an angry populace who's angry about the gas, they they might take (laughs) it out on his gas station. So I think people just like they don't like uncertainty. I think they want to feel some kind of control naturally. I think I I think they want to feel security. Biggest problem right now, it just psychologically speaking, with everything going around, there's so much uncertainty. I mean, when can we go back to work again? When can most of the economy? I think you guys are both uh, both work at home, so maybe you're not feeling the uh, that the the normal craziness. Maybe your day to day life is not that different than it was before. I don't, I don't speak for you, but I mean, for me, like I was used to going to work all the time. And uh, luckily I'm the kind of person that can kind of uh, take care of myself psychologically, mentally and physically. Like I'm getting out of the house every day. I'm putting myself to work. I'm doing more content. I'm putting myself into productive things. I'm not just sitting around eating junk food and binging. I'm actually healthier than I've been in like a year. I'm, I'm, all, I'm actually today. I'm almost down 20 pounds from where I was and I'm not really chubby, but I'm, I'm down 20 pounds from where I was a year ago. And 10 of that is in the last uh, week and a half or so, because I've been focusing so much more on my health. the exact opposite of what I've been doing. I'll tell you that. Exactly. <laughs> I've been opposite. focusing so much more on my health. I've been eating better because the only thing that ever holds me back from that stuff is in my mind anyway, I'm, is time. Like I have to get to work. I don't have time to do this full workout this morning. Oh, I have to get to work. I'll just grab something to eat on the way home. Uh, now I don't have that excuse. So I'm not using that excuse anymore. And I, I'm, I'm putting this time uh, all back into myself. What was the question again? How did I get, <laughs> I don't know. I get on to talking about myself and what I'm doing every day? I don't know. I, that's really what the question was. Oh, yeah. We just really haven't yeah. changed. Our lives haven't changed that much except for Nate's his house instead of my house, which is where he typically (laughs) comes. Yeah. But that's it. I do remember I was talking about the uncertainty and the feeling of uncertainty and people not knowing when the economy or things are going to go back, go quote unquote back to normal. I'm not convinced they're going to go back to normal like we've ever known it before. Uh, It does have to go back to some more degree of normalcy or we're going to, we're fucked. (laughs) I mean, you can't, especially out here in Los Angeles everyone's out of work. Like everyone's out of work. And most people, I, again, I'm super lucky that I was full-time somewhere. Most people, the vast majority of people that work in film and television production are freelance. So they went from a full slate of of months of work lined up to zero overnight. And there's no, there's no check coming for them. And this is, this describes a lot of my friends, people that have mortgages, people that have mouths to feed. I mean, I at least mostly just have to take care of myself and I'm, I'm currently getting paid. But I mean, for a lot of people, this, this has really taken them from, being in a comfortable place to extremely uncomfortable place with no idea of when it's going to end. If you really knew it would end in two weeks, all right, maybe you could say, we'll just hunker down here and we'll get through this. But the mayor of Los Angeles is always already saying two months, quote unquote, experts are saying 18 months of this. You can't have 18 months of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you cannot. So I don't know what's going to happen and, and no one does. And that's, that's, I think, it's going to cause so much anxiety. I mean, just social anxiety, angst in people. People are okay now. People are having fun Zoom calls and having happy hours and having a good time because it just feels like this temporary thing we have to get through. But I don't think it's as temporary as people are thinking, as, as people are telling themselves. Are you seeing any like cool creative ways that people like the markets and reinventing themselves? I, I saw this hilarious video, like too bad we don't live in Ohio. I think it was out of Ohio, but there was a strip club that had shut down so they started what's called boober and you order your food and the girls will go get it and they're like dressed in you know bras and short shorts and they deliver your food for you i think it's a 30 dollar fee but hey that's, that's pretty brilliant pretty incre- pretty creative and they got this whole massive press thing behind it so i think they're doing all right that's brilliant i mean that's- i do think you're going to see a lot more like mobile businesses and businesses that cater to doing things at home picking up even if things go back to normal in a month because this quote unquote threat, I'm not calling it not a real virus or not a real threat, but I think to whatever extent it's a threat is going to be in and will be and is being over 
I'm not, I don't want to say overplayed medically, but uh, I think the powers they're grabbing are, are going to remain regardless of whether it's this threat or the next virus or the next virus or the next virus. And this is going to, sadly, because ever, it's being accepted so broadly and so quickly, it's going to become a way of life. It's going to become a regular thing. So I think businesses that recognize that and cater to these markets of cater to home gyms, cater towards delivery or creating a better delivery experience, anybody that runs an online business, uh, I think are, they're going to see really some some booms in that er those areas. And I think a lot of companies are going to realize that they can shed a lot of fat because when when these companies are that send people home to work remotely and they're realizing that everything's going fine uh they're going to start questioning why they have these giant buildings why they pay for so much office space and i think you're going to see a lot of companies trimming a lot of that fat and maybe even realizing that they don't need a lot of their employees <laughs> might be part of it too uh, and that maybe they're i think a lot of places might start automating earlier because they can't have their employees come to work um and then suddenly there's no jobs for them anymore it's going to create changes and with change, there's always going to be destruction in a sense. There's going to be people that lose their jobs, people that are down on their luck. But at the same time, there's going to be opportunity. And I think the people that thrive are the ones that don't deny it, that try not to, that, that actually live in reality as it is and adapt to it as opposed to just sitting here and thinking it's all going to be okay in three weeks and everything's going to go back to normal because I don't think it's going to go back to normal in the way that, in the way that it was. I mean, certain things will go back to more normal than they are now, I, I think, because you can't keep things locked down in this way. For this, for for extended periods of time, people will lose their shit. Um, but um, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. I think that, that if you were going to be, if I tried to be optimistic for a minute, which is really please, weird, please do, because really I'm not weird. doing a good job. What what I would say is, uh, if <laughs> assuming that we all make it through this, um, you could see. What if you saw more self-sufficiency, a self-sufficient mindset come out of this where people, maybe it's not exactly right now, but they remember, oh yeah. man, when that, when that coronavirus thing happened, I was really stuck and I need to start finding ways to, to save and to be more self-sufficient and to make sure that I have a way to earn my own income, that I'm not dependent on other people. And I could see a way where it could actually have a transition <clears throat> towards a more self-sufficient economy, which which I think would be pretty good overall. Uh, I think there's a there's a way to look at that where uh, so many people are upset with the job Trump did and the uh, the job that the U.S. government has done dealing with this. And apparently they have affected all the other people around the world to die too, because uh, I guess you know that's the only reason anyone's dying is because the U.S. government has right. has flubbed this. But you know, we could look at that and we say, well, this is proof that you don't want to just be relying on the U.S. government to take care yeah. of you when something like this happens. And what I'm hoping is that more people won't go into the mindset that, well, what we really needed was more control, way more control. That's what we needed. I hope there's a significant portion of the population that says, man, I just can't rely on the government to fix things. Like you never know who's going to be in control of that thing. And, and, uh, and maybe I should just find a way to be reliant on myself. That's my optimistic viewpoint is maybe some people are going to take that from this scenario. Well, I, I, I think the people that are, you know, that maybe lean a little more optimistic or at least can find opportunity in situations like this are the ones who are most prepared, who pay attention to these types of things. And that's kind of what, I don't know. I feel like libertarianism has a little bit of that preparedness feeling. You know, you see a lot of people like, oh, I hate talking about politics and religion and philosophy and all this stuff. And it's like, well, I'm sorry to bore your, you know, you're going out and partying every weekend, but like you're the one that's uh, that's scared right now who doesn't understand what's going on. Whereas everyone else who's been talking about politics, religion and philosophy and things like that, they're the ones that see this as opportunity. They're the ones that see 
oh, like maybe now is a good time to buy these certain stocks. Like, good thing I saved up and didn't do this. And, oh, maybe I have this new idea for this invention now. And you're able to actually be more informed and better prepared by by those types of things rather than just living, you know, your everyday life and being like, well, I don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff like I'm taken care of. And then when shit hits the fan, you're like, oh, my God, what what do we do? I have no idea. Here's a panic. You know, uh, wh what do you think about, you know, kind of staying on economics a little bit here? I had a good friend of mine who's uh, going to school for economics and and we, we, we talk about things a lot. And, you know, Nate and I were discussing Milton Friedman had pointed out that if the Federal Reserve had guaranteed that their, their, the bank would never run out of money, that there would have never been a run on the banks during the Great Depression. And you see now the Fed is basically guaranteeing stock buys. They're saying like, yeah, we're not going to let the market crash. If anything happens, we'll just buy up the stock. No big deal. Now, do you think that kind of prevents a run, a sell-off of the stock market, or do you think that creates a false we, sense And just of for a little bit or, more backstory there, we had that conversation, and Charlie said, well, the Fed just announced that they're basically just going to buy up stocks, and they're going to prevent the market from crashing. And obviously, I don't like that. But right. I was like, well, wait, wait a second. What if they actually don't do it? Like, I don't want them to spend the money. But what if them saying that they would do that prevented the run in the way that Milton Friedman said that just simply by issuing an order or a news bulletin saying, we will guarantee all of your deposits, no one worry, that no one would have had the run on the bank, is it a way for them to say, we will buy up the stocks, it's not going to crash, that maybe the crash won't go further than what it has right now? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there might be know. something to be said for the psychological uh, you know, aspects of that, like maybe if people know that uh, the government's going to back everything up, they don't panic and sell or, or whatever they're trying to prevent. But no matter what they, they try to do, it's, 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 I mean, the house of cards we're sitting on is so flimsy at this point, uh, financially speaking. At the end of the day, they're just creating more and more money and delaying the inevitable uh, comeuppance or the reckoning, if you will, whatever you want to call it. This stuff can't continue forever. Unlimited debt cannot, well, unlimited debt would continue forever by that definition. <laughs> unlimited debt is, is I mean, at some point, this has to break, whether it's prices skyrocketing, whether it's inflation, uh, whether it's the dollar crashing due to the debt. I have no idea, but it, I, I know it can't go on forever, and I know it can't have good effects forever. Uh, the most it can do is maybe, like you're saying, has some temporary psychological effect on the market. But that's not, all it is is, a, is a, another smoke screen, another facade. The only the only reason I had that thought was because all the so we we day trade every day and that any book I've ever read about day trading said that the price of a stock is the traders. Uh, it's a representation of the traders uh, future view of what that stock is going to do, because if if you thought it was going to go higher, then you wouldn't be selling. If you think, think it's going to go lower, then you'll sell because you don't want to lose money. And so the price of the stocks are a representation of what your view of the future is going to be. And so if the Fed comes in and says it's not going to crash, we'll stop it. Well, then that, does that remove the view of your what you think the future is going to be so it prevents the selling. I don't know. I don't want them to do it because I don't want them inflating the currency. I'm worried that people think that this bubble has popped and I'm worried that this is not the bubble pop that we think it's popped and that it's time for them to come in and they'll just inject $10 trillion to, to get the bubble going again. And I don't think it's popped yet. 
I really, I really don't think it has. And so I think we're making it way, way worse before that. Sure. Yeah. I think they're just, they're, they're inflating the bubble pre pop. Like the bubble is not popped. It's just goes whoop. And then they go, (laughs) yeah, let's pump more and more and more. Now it's just getting bigger and bigger. So that pop is eventually going to be a lot louder than it might've been. uh, Had they not blown it up even bigger to to go on the bubble analogy, the balloon analogy. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's you could say the old tire thing of uh, this is obviously more of the same that caused the problem. And and we're obviously just leaning more towards that more debt. Uh, this is going to lead towards more taxes. How are they going to have a three trillion dollar deficit this year and still be able to cut taxes at some point in time? They're not. I mean, you can't even discuss it. They're, they're not going to be able to do it. And if they really so, wanted to bail, bail people out, why not just eliminate taxes for a year? Yeah, you're already spending the money anyway. I mean, you're already spending way more money. Just don't spend the new money and just eliminate taxes and see what we, happens. We'd just rather take shot. the money from right. you. Uh, we had to run it through all these bureaucrats first. It. <laughs> yeah, make sure that the banks yeah. get it first, so that that always works out well. Yeah. Make and sure uh, the what's crazy about the bailout too? Some. What's what that? Make sure the DOD can lose some. Of course, yes. <laughs> yeah. Make sure they can lose a couple trillion right before 9-11, Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's <laughs> yes. neither here nor there. <laughs> Was it only two? <laughs> like that. It might have only been one. Yeah. I don't know. This is the early 2000s. So maybe that, that was like three now. Oh, yeah. Right. That would have been a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm just trying to try to say something optimistic before we finish this up today. I'm, but the um, thing about it is, is I don't you know. I I'm actually optimistic about this disease. Like I'm optimistic about the virus. I, I really don't think that we are going to come close to seeing the numbers that we even see with the flu here in the United States. Now, obviously Italy was, has been pummeled so far, but, but I think that our, I believe in our healthcare system a a little bit more, um, even, you know, even the, even not having the stockpile that we need, I believe our market can respond. I'm seeing all kinds of ridiculously cool things that our free market's able to do, at least the ones, especially when they're cutting regulations. I mean, that makes me optimistic about the virus. What I fear the most is the market ramifications and, and what, what does our economy look like? You, you know, if we come back in a month now, April 30th, I'm pretty optimistic about our economy, at least, at least until it all comes crashing down eventually. Cause you're right. We're on run a house of cards. In fact, Goldman Sachs predicts a 25% drop in GDP, uh, you know, which would bring us back down to like 2008 and 2009 numbers, which means this entire decade has been fake. Um, but (laughs) I've seen numbers above like possible 32% unemployment, which doesn't seem crazy to me out here. I mean, I think it'll be a lot higher in a place like Los Angeles where you just put a whole industry out of work. Unemployment was like 12, uh, unemployment was like 12% during the last recession. So 32%, I mean, you're talking about basically tripling that. Well, that's where you have to ask the question that no one likes asking. I mean, there's trade-offs here to shutting down the economy to slow down the spread of this virus. There's a trade-off because everyone agrees that bad economics- They're really big. They're really big big trade-offs. That that crashing an economy and destroying uh, everything that we have and destroying our our government because we're- I mean, if you lose the economy, then they'll lose their beautiful taxes. They won't be able to spend as much money anymore. They won't be able to provide all the- the wonderful things except that, they that we can just make it up and they don't even need it. They can just stop taxing altogether. They can just they end could. the economy and just keep printing and, and keep mailing people money. checks. Yeah. I mean, we're not that taxing? far from it. We're not that far from it. We're not that far from a point where, I mean, suddenly you're seeing UBI becoming more and more popular. I mean, they tried to even mm-hmm. in some people, some politicians were trying to insert that just right into the bailout. Let's just go full UBI mm-hmm. now. And this yeah. is the future. I mean, I really think this is where it's going. It's, it's, it seems to be something they're trying to push in and increasingly make people more and more dependent and have less and less access actual productive people. 
Uh, I don't know why, because if, if I'm a politician, I, I, I want a wealthy society that I can tax from, you know, or, yeah. or something. I want a society that's not going to rebel. That's not going to feel the pain too hard. Um, cause at some point people are going to break. I mean, at some point, if no one's working, even if they're getting checks that barely get them by, people are going to become so, I mean, it, it's a really emotionally poor state to be in, to be unproductive and to not be allowed to do things you love, not to be, not to be allowed to go to the beach. I can't go to the beach right now because some people are afraid of getting a virus. I'm not downplaying the virus, but me sitting on the beach, is not giving anyone a virus. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I mean, just, sh- this is really going to have, I think, deep psychological effects on, on people. If it goes, I, I see it now, I already see it. So if this goes on longer and longer, I don't like, I think so many people are going to become less healthy from either being inside more, uh, from not taking care of their bodies, from not being productive and not contributing to something. Like you were saying earlier in the show about what you guys are doing here, uh, about finding meaning. I mean, people are going to lose their meaning when, when if things continue in this way. And what, what my worry is not this round per se, but it's it's what we come to accept and what we come to accept as a new norm. And it, it seems to me like even if it's this coronavirus or the next round of this coronavirus or the next flu or the next because now this is the new norm so now next time there's anything any any new virus whether it's the you know before i remember went being through bird flu through swine flu all none of these things affected my life directly and my entire way of life they obviously affected people that they affected that they infected the people that got sick and died from it but again those are very small percentage of, of the people that get these diseases but when we go and change, but now it seems like a, a way of life change, not just to the approach of coronavirus, but to the approach of diseases. And I could go full blown conspiracy on, on all the reasons they, they want us to, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going there right now because they're. <laughs> yeah, we can uh, we can definitely we could definitely just talk conspiracy the whole time. I just did a Patreon video on my way uh, back over here earlier where I just talked about, man. And isn't the media just having a field day with this? I mean, it just feels this my gut reaction is it feels like something bigger than just this virus. And that yeah. is in no way denying yeah. the severity of the, of the virus. I believe people that that know more than I do that that read medical journals and that read non state connected doctors that are, are very concerned about it. So I have no reason to downplay concern, but I have every reason to call alarm to the powers that are being grabbed and the, the way that people are just immediately not just accepting screaming for it people are, are yelling for it i have good friends that are yelling for more enforcement and yelling for more people to be busted for being in groups of six or more i mean that kind of stuff is really super orwellian i don't want to yeah. be i don't want to live in a world where police are going around breaking up groups of friends because they're too close together and they're not socially distancing enough i mean that that's not a world i want to live in i hope that's not the world we're going to but we're really really freaking close to it because i know actual human beings that want it you know maybe how we're you just fix this. maybe we're just you making our Maybe we're just making our way to where we're just going to live in pods and everything will be a virtual reality. <laughs> I mean, you don't ever leave yeah. your pod. You got a feeding tube and dang you know. it. VR companies. Yeah. That's who we need to be buying stock in VR companies. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you might be right. Cause that would be the, the, that's the safest way to go. Right. But the logical yeah. conclusion would be don't ever con- contact a person. And eventually we'll be like demolition, man. We'll make by just by putting <laughs> our hands up and our <laughs> DNA will exchange. And now we just made a baby. <laughs> we never touch each other. Oh, I love that yeah. movie. That's so good. That's the way okay. of the future. Hey, man, plug your Patreon one more time. We are over yeah, an hour plug right now. And uh, plug that thing. We we are going to tell you guys real quick, we already are patrons of Lions of Liberty, and it this is, is worth true. it. Like he says, so much content. I have to spend an entire day, like I told my wife, <laughs> we put it on the schedule. Saturdays put it on the schedule. Lions of Liberty. It's <laughs> on the awesome. schedule. Saturdays are where I just watch all the Lions of Liberty things that they put up because I got to catch up, and it's like a whole day's worth the stuff so tell them about it 
I love it. Yeah. Well, um, if you do want to support us on Patreon, which in these tough times, we could really use the support because I mean, like right now, all three of us have our jobs in a sense. Um, but we also recognize things are changing rapidly and we are all in situations where we could potentially not have our current situations a month or two from now. So as with everything, we're looking at it as an opportunity. And for years we said, wouldn't it be great if we could just really do this full time? Wouldn't it be great if we could, or even, even not full time, but truly part time. I mean, now it's, it's in what we do this and what you might call our extra time, like not even the free time, like the other time you just carve out <laughs> around the free time. Um, but I, I would love to get to a point where I could even just, well, back when I had work, uh, could do my work and then also dedicate, take some of that time away from that work and put it instead towards this other thing. Uh, but now we're kind of fighting ourselves. Well, we have the time that problem has been solved. So now we're just trying to grow it. So any, anybody who loves what we do and wants to support us, wants to help us grow. This is the best time. Cause this is, this is the time when we have the time and energy to really put into, to utilizing that money to really, truly grow. Uh, so that's what we're going to try to do. So patreon.com slash lions of Liberty. Like you said, we truly believe in getting people, uh, their money's worth when they support us on Patreon. We don't just want you to send us money. Uh, some po- some podcasts just don't do extra content. Some just do like, you know, occasionally you get an episode released early and that's all good for them and their supporters. But w- for us, we want people to really feel like they're getting a lot of value out of this stuff. So we're always doing live streams. We're like you said, we're always producing new content. We're always looking at new things we can do for our Patreon. It's kind of the Petri, petri dish for new ideas. Uh, if we have an idea for a show we might want to do publicly someday, well, Patreon's going to get it first because we'll just we'll just hop on and try it out. And you guys can kind of be part of that experience. And and our, our Patreon, our pride, as we call them, the Lions of Liberty Pride, they really are our, our co-producers in many ways. I mean, we get so much feedback from people and we we really pivot what we're doing based on a lot of what we get back from the pride. So uh, patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty, that's where you want to go. If you want to dip your toe in the water, I can even tell you a little secret about the way we have things set up. Um, you can, well, first of all, we have a $2 level, so you can, we, we add, which we added fairly recently. You don't get access to all of the content, but you do get access to our Facebook group and the live streams that we do in there. So it's just a way to tip, tip your toe in the water. It gives a little bit of support. Um, but we are also doing something right now. Um, well, actually I'm going to tell you what I wanted the little secret. The little secret is this. If you sign up for our Patreon and not, and every, every creator can set these things different. So I don't know how you guys have it set up. So I, I apologize if I'm revealing a secret for you too. We've lost five Patreon supporters since you started talking about your Patreon actually. <laughs> yeah. so far, They've all come. Oh, and yeah. I've gained five. This is yeah. right. um, <laughs> But you can, if you just want to check it out and you just want to try it, you go ahead, you sign up, sign up at the $5 level. So you make sure you get all the content. If you don't like what you hear, if you, if you don't feel like you're getting your money's worth, if you un if you if you unsubscribe before the first of the next month, so what is mm-hmm. it today? It, well, it's almost well, it's the thirty first when we're recording. So maybe this is not the best time to do it. If you <laughs> if you sign up tomorrow on April first, you're not going to get charged until the beginning of the next month, which is May first. So if you sign up on May first, you can essentially give yourself a money back guarantee uh, sample of of our content, and you can listen to it all for thirty days. And as long as you cancel by April thirtieth, you'll never get charged. So we we have it set up that way purposely. Because uh, we feel very confident that you're going to want to stay and, and keep sending his money once you get in there and, and see all the extra content and the bonus access to us that, that, that you get there. So uh, that's just a little secret of how you can um, check out our Good Patreon. 30 free. day free trial right there Basically, for Lions yeah. Liberty. So do it now. What do you have got to lose? Everyone listening right now should go and, and <laughs> sign up and give yourself a trial and set yourself an alarm. I, I'm not trying to trick you. Set yourself an alarm in your calendar for April 30th. Say, 
uh, Lions Liberty Patreon cancel question mark. But I don't think you're going <laughs> to want to cancel at that point. I'm sure uh, just to be completely honest, you'll send out a Patreon message at the end of the month to remind everyone to cancel. Well, I don't right? know if I like, go that far. OK, all right. Just making sure because <laughs> that's a little extra work. I don't have the time yeah. for that. Yeah, but if, yeah. we, if we make enough money and go full time, I could incorporate that into the. You process. get that message at the two hundred dollar level that posts exactly. out to those people for two hundred dollars. We'll remind you, you might want to cancel. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Well, we just, you know, couldn't thank you enough for spending your time with us. Yeah, today. thanks, Brian. Um, it's <laughs> thanks, Brian. Oh man, hey, you made it through almost the whole show. I did, I did, there I did go. that one on purpose. So <laughs> I just had um, to throw yeah, it in there. we just we, we couldn't thank you enough, man. I hope you guys are all staying safe out there and uh, no one gets infected. So so far, uh, so good. Wish you all the best. Tell all the guys we said hey when you talk to them later tonight. Missed them today, you know. But uh, hey, we'll talk to you guys again sometime. We'll get all of you on here at the same time. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's been a blast. All right. Take care, Mark. Right. Thanks a lot, man. Wow. Lots of cool Liberty things happening. And, and I liked what he said earlier in the show at the very beginning that, you know, we had this benevolent leader and Ron Paul, but then we've kind of built this base and there can never be enough Liberty voices out there. And, and, you know, we've seen in our page, all these, uh, reviews come in and comments where they're like, Hey, you know, I kind of used to be a Republican, but you're actually helping me see, uh, the more Liberty side of things and, and libertarians really aren't that crazy. They make a lot of sense. So thank you for that. And that's what all of you guys out there that are listening can do. You can share the show with a friend and you can start to uh, be the base as well and spread the message of Liberty and why it's the best thing for all of us uh, to live in that, regardless of whether we have another fearless leader or not. Uh, maybe everybody's just waiting for me to step up to the plate and and maybe I'll run one day. We'll just see. Be that, be that leader, be that leader. Um, yeah. but, but no, we, we really appreciate you guys joining us and, and listening. Uh, that was a really fun interview. It's always fun when we get to talk to, to cool people. Um, like Mark Claire, uh, the Stapleton interview that we did was really fun. If you guys want to go back and listen to that one, there's all kinds of stuff to do. Nate, if they want to learn just what's happening in and around life in general, I mean, how do you even predict anything? Well, I don't know how to predict life, but I know a pretty good indication of, uh, when life is going to get better is by looking at the stock market. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, can, I don't know how, but I, we predicted a day where there was going to be really good news just simply by knowing uh, what price level the market was probably going to turn around. And the day it got to that price level, lo and behold, we had a bunch of good news come out. Now, listen, I'm not telling you that by going to mastermytrades.com, you can predict the future. That's not what I'm telling you. I would never make that promise, but... I am telling you that it is the truth. That's, it could that's be a step in no, the right direction. No. But yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so we do day trading every single day. If you guys want to know, uh, starting from the very basics about the stock market, how to read a candlestick chart, how to look at patterns, how to look at support and resistance lines, how to know whether or not we've got really high volume on selling, on buying, what should your feelings be about this market right now? Where should you be looking to get in? Where should, where should you be getting out? Those are all things that we talk about in uh, the, the Liberty Trading Academy, which is mastermytrades.com.
mastermindtrades.com, mastermindtrades.com. You can get started right there, $47 a month. It is the cheapest class for day trading that you are going to find. And we do, new. I put up three videos today already on that website. Uh, all kinds of posts all the time. I do live pre-market analysis every single day. Uh, we do live Q&As every single week. You can even get one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions in the class. So it is it is uh, by far the, the cheapest day trading class. And I would also argue that we give the most content because a lot of classes you're going to pay and it's going to be set up with all this material. And there it is. You take the material and then, and then that's it. We actually have a connection with the people that are in the class, with the students, I guess you would call them, with those people on a daily basis. We're always there to answer questions. We're always there to do our live Q&A. That's some class. great feedback, by the way. A lot of people yeah. are loving your approach, Nate. I mean, you are just, you explain things in such an amazing way. Thank you, man. I, I I'm not, I'm that. not even the one saying that. That's all the people writing comments and stuff. I, I appreciate them for saying that. Um, that's why. I have the Native American name that I do, which is the one who knows almost everything there is to know about almost what was it again? I can't remember what the one the, who knows just about everything there is to know. Yeah, that's what they call yeah. me. Um, and yes, yes. Um, so so Charlie's name is taller than tree and mine is the one who knows almost everything there is to know. Yeah. And uh, actually and so mine's he, walk with trees. Walks with trees. Walks with trees. Yeah. Yeah. Walks up. Yeah, There's something like that. It was in. Uh, it was in Navajo wind talker speak, and I, I didn't exactly catch all of it. So anyway, if you guys are interested in that, <laughs> this is the longest plug ever. <laughs> this is a great plug. If you guys are interested in all the things we just talked about, then you want to go to mastermytrades.com. That's just that's just what you want to do right there. Master and, uh, my trades. Dot com man it's better than tiger king Clinton i can tell you voice. that much right now <laughs> man <laughs> if you haven't watched tiger king god you can't even make that kind of stuff up and it really happened it really is it crazy really, you're, I old, thought, you're like at two episodes in i've done finished the whole damn thing i was telling you i mean at first i thought it just really looked stupid and then i was like oh my god this is serious and hilarious <laughs> it's, it's all at the same time it's and, so ridiculous uh, i mean it's a murder for hire mystery yes and it's a and it's just this oh man joe exotic you just can't you can't make that guy up you just can't it's no. just him it's crazy i couldn't so. conjure that guy up in my wildest <laughs> dreams and then just wait till you get to hear him for more information about Carol Baskins. I mean, how is there not a movie about this? By the way, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Netflix is Netflix is so genius. The, he could play. He could play himself. Like he's a character that you would see in a movie yeah. of some kind. Like a, you could see, like not even Will Ferrell, but maybe Zach Galifianakis, or or just someone playing that kind of a that kind of a role. It's, it's, yeah. it's so funny. So anyway, two things, go to mastermytrades.com and also go to netflix.com and watch Tiger King because it's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Recommend that. Joe, Joe's a sponsor of this show now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, seriously, guys, mastermytrades.com. One thing Nate forgot to mention is that if you're listening to this tonight, which is March 31st at midnight tonight, that free trial goes away. So you better get in. I literally just saw another purchase come through. Um, which was four minutes ago. No joke. So they're probably listening to yesterday's episode or Friday's nice. episode. 
Um, so make sure you guys get in. So you get that free trial just in case you hate it. Like we're like Mark Claire, like we're not holding you guys down. Like we believe in providing with you with a lot of value. Uh, we have loaded tons of videos up there. There's all kinds of uh, PowerPoints you can go through. We're very interactive. You can ask questions. We're right there to answer them. We do live Q and A's. I mean, it is, we are trying to provide you with the most amount of value for, for literally the cheapest price you can find on trading. And it's not because we, we want to be cheap. We just want to give you guys the very basics for the best value out there. I mean, the, the, the cheapest class I can find is like $199 a month. And then, and if you're going to get like legit trading, um, and so it for $47 a month, you can't beat it. There's nothing else out there like it. So to learn about the markets, go to mastermytrades.com. That was the longest advertisement. If you're still with us, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, if you are still with us, then that means that you absolutely love the show, which is amazing. It's amazing news for you. And it's amazing news for us because what that means is you can share the show with a friend. Like I mentioned, just send that message of Liberty out. Let people know what's going on. Be more prepared, more informed about what's going on in the world. So you kind of see these things happen. It's not like Nate said, it's not really predicting the future, but you're looking at pattern patterns, just like you would on a stock chart of life. And you're like, uh huh, I've kind of seen that before. Maybe this is going to happen. Then you're more prepared. Then when everyone else is panicking, you're the one looking for opportunity. And you're like, man, I bet that idea of this online thing or this work from home idea or whatever it was would really flourish right now. And you can take the opportunity, provide that to the market. And guess what? Now you're solving problems and you're the one that becomes rich. And then you get a bailout with corporate welfare. <laughs> so man, There you go. And then you can get a bailout. But I was going to read this message real quick, by the way, Charlie, I don't know if you saw it. We got in our Patreon inbox. I won't call the guy out by name, but, um, Randy said, he just want to let you guys know that I truly appreciate what you do. Um, he said, I'd be considered a true fan of yours. I listen every day. All three of my daughters, 14, 10 year olds, listen intermittently. And my wife just signed up for Liberty Trading Academy. We just received our shipment of podcasting equipment this week because of guys like you, I'm taking a big step in the right direction, starting the podcast and taking back a little more control of my life, my future and my family's future. Thanks again for all you do. Keep it up. Stay the path. Don't change. And please don't conform. That's I mean, amazing. That keep that right there will get you out of bed in the morning. Yes. I, I could not say thank you enough for messages like that. You said you wouldn't call him out by name, but then you said Randy. So thanks, Randy, for that. I didn't call his full name. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, that's really awesome. What a, it's things like that, and we appreciate you guys so much that I think I'm good for the next year. I don't care if we make any money. Like I off yeah. of that comment alone, I'm good to keep recording till next year. There How you about go. you, Nate? Yeah. Yeah. And since this, you know, since this guy is a patron and they are going to start a pot, he's going to start a podcast and, and, you know, we, we helped inspire him to do that. Well, you know, we need to go ahead and plug his podcast when he gets that going too. Yeah. So send him back a message and let him know. Uh, that's just really cool. Uh, Hey guys, anyone who wants to send us something like that, <laughs> go ahead and do it. Do it on patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty or send us an email, uh, Nate or Charlie at goodmorningliberty.us. Leave a rating and review leave us one on Facebook. We get the haters on Facebook because our posts go in front of, I mean, we have still what you would consider to be a small Facebook, but in the last month we've had 250,000 post interactions 
a reach of over a million people, 250,000 post interactions. And what you see when that happens is you get the haters that will take time to leave Them haters, man. The, they leave reviews on your libertarian Facebook page. So we need some of the libertarians to come on there because guess what? Facebook's algorithms pay attention to what your review is on Facebook. So if they can win by getting you to a low rating on Facebook, the algorithms will not reward your posts as much. And that's just how it's how it is. So we need all the supporters to go on there too and leave ratings and reviews. And so if you look, if you guys do all of that, and I mean all of it, I mean, this was at least 12 minutes worth of stuff you need to do, <laughs> which isn't very much time out of your life. I mean, 12 minutes, that's not much. If you guys do all of that, we'll be back again tomorrow. <laughs> Across the crusty Pay Lake. Until then, I hope you guys have a very good day and a really good morning, Liberty. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids.